Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to the It's You Taz World podcast, episode two for the week. Washington State Cougars, wow, they're coming into Rice Eccles Stadium this upcoming Saturday. It's the final game of the season, we think. And we can talk about that, actually, because it's interesting. I heard something. In fact, bugger it. We're going to start there, Steve. I heard that Mark Harlan, oh, I could get in trouble for saying this. Uh, I heard that Mark Harlan was trying... Or I, I don't really know, to be fair, but there was a game that they were looking at playing on like, it was like December 26th or, or something yeah. like right around Christmas, you know what? Right. And I've, I've just been told the players weren't into it, man. They were like, yeah, no, I think we're okay. Uh, Christmas sounds a bit better than uh, playing a bloody game in the middle of a pandemic still. But um that doesn't mean they're not going to play a bowl game, okay? I didn't mean to scare anybody. Although I wouldn't be surprised. If I was a player, I'll be frank, if I was a player and I was on the leadership group, I would be like, no, bugger off. We're not playing. I'm going to see my family. I'm getting out of this hellhole of a program where we just get screamed at the whole time and I don't make any money, so go away. Uh, I'll be back next year. And that's what I would do. But I wouldn't because I'd be really scared of uh, the face that Coach Witt would make. But I don't know if they're going to play. I don't... I don't know. Steve, what do you make of it? Uh, yeah, that's – I'm right there with you, Tom. Like, it would be hard. I mean, you understand where these guys have – they've been through a lot over the last couple of months, right? I, I don't think we realize just how difficult it has been for these guys. Um, you talk about the typical college experience. They haven't had that. They've been – you know, they after their outbreak – they had to move into single housing units where they're supposed to be isolated from one another for long periods of time. And, you know, it's tough, man. Like it, it's been a grind. You think of how much these, how often these guys have been tested, the stress of going through testing each and every day. Uh, the, the season has been an absolute mental grind for these players. Uh, you know, Whittingham has talked about it. Britton Covey um, alluded to it in his post-game press conference of just how exhausting it has been. Um, frankly, if I were a player, man, I honestly, I would feel the same. I'd probably buy my own plane ticket <laughs> right now just because I'm so, I'm so ready to get home because, you know, I just need some loving. But, you know, I, the, the thing of it is, is like, let's say – Let's say they they get the win against Washington State, and we'll talk more about the matchup. But let's assume they win, bowl eligible. You have an opportunity to play December twenty sixth. You know, I think if the team does decide to to play that game, like they're going to be they're going to be bought in. They're going to be excited to play. They're going to you know come ready, come prepared. They're going to give it their best. They're going to show up and they're going to compete because that's what they do. Um, Again, if that's what they decide to do, if that's what the majority of the team decides to do, 
then then everybody's you know they're all in basically but man if i were a player it would be tough it would be tough yeah speaking of 11 did you and kendra upgrade to a king size bed yeah speaking of 11 yeah we did we got a king size that was part of the craziness yesterday too is like we were we were trying to figure that put that king size bed together and man what a difference that made last night I like, I've never slept better. It was fantastic. I had so much space. It was like, oh, it was amazing. I know. I know. Just, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful creation. It's a game changer, man. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, So I'm happy for you guys. uh, Thank you. Uh, What date is it? It's December 15th. Um, So you could probably expect a baby, like a a bottle baby in like nine, 10 months. Okay, Tom. (laughs) um seriously though king size once you go to king size you won't you won't ever go back it's um game changer oh dude it's just like yeah i'm starfishing i'm you know i'm all like my limbs are spread out i'm like don't come within a three foot radius of me don't even look at me uh yeah no uh (laughs) i mean i'm happy for you because that i saw that photo and i was like okay that means something yeah dude yeah um you know (laughs) <laughs> Washington State Cougars, before we get in, ourselves into trouble here, Steve, let's uh, <laughs> just quickly sidetrack back to uh, what we what we, what we we do, and that's talk football. They're only one and two, so they've had a very, right. very disrupted season. Um, and their two losses did come against Oregon when they were ranked rather high. I think they were like 11th in the country at the time. You know, that they, they were playing quite well as well. And then, of course, USC. They lost to USC as well. And they, I mean, look, they're, they're, they're two of the top. It doesn't really matter how you break it down. They're, they're two of the top teams, programs in the conference. Uh, yeah. Washington's up there. Utah's up there. Arizona State's up there too. I think UCLA's close to being within that that same group because I think Washington, uh, I think UCLA's taken some steps this year. But But their two losses have come against two of the better teams in the conference. I mean, that. This isn't a bad football yeah. team under new leadership, new head coach, new quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of change occurred uh, between last year and this. Yeah, absolutely. And it starts, um, you know, at the quarterback position. And like it typically does every year with with Washington State, it seems like they just kind of churn them out up there. And, you know, this year they're led by – a true freshman and Jaden Delora. I've had the opportunity to kind of see him in action as a high school recruit. And, you know, he's a fantastic player and he's a great fit for, for what Washington likes to do. Uh, the, the air raid, the Mike Leach air raid and the Nick Rolovich run and shoot very similar in terms of their, their end goal. They're trying to pass the ball around. They're trying to put up a lot of uh, production in the passing game. They go about it a little bit differently, and I asked Kyle Whittingham about this, uh, you know, on on uh, the uh, the Tuesday press conference media availabilities. You know, basically same. They're all trying to get the same result, uh, emphasizing the passing game. They go about it differently in terms of their route structures and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, with the personnel that Washington State has, it's it's been kind of a seamless transition. Where you know, honestly, it's more of the same from Washington state. And when you have a quarterback like Jaden Delore and, you know, he hasn't played overwhelmingly great, but he's, he's, he's kept the thing running up there. And so it starts with, with Jaden Delora. They have a, a solid offensive line um, headlined by Abraham Lucas. He's solid in pass pro good in the run game. 
And I think that's kind of the biggest change uh, with the offense here is that it's emphasized more of, of the running game than anything we saw under Mike Leach. And so that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. Um, uh, Dion McIntosh already has 300 yards, Steve, through three games. So he's averaging Mm -hmm. literally 100 yards a game, which I doubt that ever happened specifically three games in a row under Leach. No way. Yeah. No, they've got 451 yards on the season. And and you look at their their production, um, you know, under Mike Leach, and it was – barely over a thousand yards. Sometimes they didn't even hit that mark. And, you know, so you're, you're 451 yards as, as a team rushing the ball in three games. And, and we kind of understand <laughs> the, the season that it's been, it's been very weird. Uh, yeah. Like it's, it's a big change going from, you know, the passing attack under Leach uh, and just the nonstop air raid attack to now you're emphasizing and they've got, you know, you, you mentioned Dion McIntosh, but they've got another running back up there and Max Borgie, he's been injured, and that's why we've seen Dion McIntosh. But they've got Max Borgie there. Kind of know what he's McCaffrey. about. Little Christian McCaffrey yeah, the second. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that's a great comparison and and that's exactly the type of player that he is, a do it all type of running back. So uh, yeah, they've got some they've got some playmakers on the offense side of the ball. Hey, what's uh, what's going on with Kamon Cooper, our guy? He, I've seen he's had a few completions. He's three for three, uh, so that's I guess kind of cool. I imagine, what, and he's had a few run, running attempts as well. But he's obviously not the starting quarterback. Jaden Delora, who you mentioned, he's uh, attempted a hundred and one yeah. passes to Cooper's three. So is he getting any looks, or is that garbage time stuff that is popping up on the stat sheet? Yeah, so those reps came against USC, and what happened was Jaden Delora um, started the game, and the game just kind of got out of hand. And then what it was was Gunnar Cruz came in uh, for Jaden Delora first, and then, you know, eventually they they went with Cam and Cooper. So, um, you know, he's he's had a – I don't want to say a difficult time up there, but he just hasn't been able to put it all together just yet up at Washington State. And – you know, it's unfortunate. He's a local guy out of, out of Lehigh. He was, you know, a very promising quarterback as a recruit and just hasn't been able to put it all together up there at Washington State. Well, that that is interesting because USC was the last game they played two weeks ago now. So, you know, the message yeah. sent from 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 head coach, uh, Washington State's head coach, is, is obviously Delora's leash is, is pretty short. Back up quarterback cruises leash isn't all that long either so i mean look there is i guess a possibility we see came on Cooper play against utah this week right never say never yeah sure yeah absolutely especially you know the storyline that that would provide uh cammy cooper comes home to utah and you know plays well plays but you know that's uh that's a major storyline and you know if you're washington state you're always in need of storylines uh it's just so uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's a possibility we see him in action on, on Saturday. We don't need to spend really any time, to be frank, talking about their defense. You, you kind of just have to look at the numbers, no. I imagine. I mean, they gave up <laughs> 28 points to Oregon State, 43 against Oregon, and then 38 against USC. This is a defense that is in dire need of some help, I, I think it's fair to say, right, without even like kind of watching much film. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, they're, it's, it's, it's an attacking aggressive defense out of necessity. They don't have the, the playmakers. They don't have the bodies up front. They don't have the talent to hang with a lot of these, you know, programs that have talent, that have an identity, that run the ball. They've got to be aggressive. They've got to be uh, blitzing often. They've got to send multiple people. They've got to stunt. They've got to twist up front. Uh, and so kind of similar to what we saw, uh, kind of similar uh, with what we saw with Oregon State, where they're just kind of overmatched talent-wise and physically. They're going to be aggressive uh, at the line of scrimmage and shooting gaps and trying to create pressure. Uh, that's kind of the difference uh, with this, uh, you know, with Washington State defenses compared to, you know, Colorado. Colorado at least had some big bodies. They could be aggressive. They have some talent on the defense side of the ball. Washington State really has, you know, defensive playmakers. So, uh, yeah, that's it's going to be important for this for this offense to obviously again take take advantage of some opportunities, capitalize on those. But uh, this Washington State defense, um, you know, it presents an interesting matchup up front just because you know the aggressive style of defensive line play where you're shooting gaps, you're stunting, you're twisting. That's always been something that has uh, been, it's been a little bit of a bugaboo for the offensive line over the last couple of years. So Utah has to show that they're better up front, but um, yeah, Utah should be able to, to create some plays against this Washington state defense. Uh, All right, Steve, I I, I know. And to our listeners out there, I know normally we go a bit more in depth on, on the upcoming opponents. And, and by the way, massive game for Utah. It, you know, we, we kind of joked about yeah. the, the so-called bowl game that uh, that may take place between December 19th and December 31st. You know, Utah players might not want anything to do with it. The only time will tell. But, you know, if they want to at least have that conversation at all, they do have to win this game. They're two and two. They, right. they, they, they qualify, if you will, for postseason play as it stands, but they have another game that they're preparing for and they're, they're about to participate in. So if they lose that game, they, they go below 500. And of course, if they win, they go above. And, uh, and so in that sense, it is, it's a pretty big game, but I can't believe, I I cannot believe we are, we are already here, Steve. And and it's just crept up on us uh, or me anyway, probably not you, but good thing. Yeah. December 16th is tomorrow. Uh, we are recording the second yeah. part of this, ep- of this, this, this podcast on, on Tuesday uh, of this week. And I guess the reason behind that, and I didn't re- realize this, but signing day's tomorrow. Yeah, it is, man. Signing day, baby. Signing day's uh, on Wednesday. So by the, time this, by the time this podcast drops, it'll probably be Wednesday or Thursday. Um, yeah. And and we may have to do another one depending on like you know I okay I, look look here's the deal I'm gonna put myself on mute and I'm just gonna let you go like this is your realm this is what you're made for just tell me everything I know. oh come on Tom dude <laughs> they got a great yeah, I, class I got no yeah they absolutely do and you know I I tweeted this out the other day but. It really kind of just shows the progress that Utah's made in terms of the quality of talent that they're bringing into the program. In 2016, Utah had a full class of 25 players. That's the most that you can sign in a class, 25. Um, and that class included players like Garrett Bowles, who was a four-star talent, had offers from everywhere. That, that also included Maxis Dupai, 
who was a four-star kid, had offers from USC, UCLA. That also included uh, David Lua Fatasanga, who was a four-star talent. Troy Williams, Tyler Huntley. Like, that 2016 class was bonkers. It ranked 37th. This year, Utah has 17 commits. 17 commits, and it's ranked 29th in the country. Uh, it's just an incredible rise in terms of the quality of talent um, and the depth of that talent. Uh, I think it's just an incredible job by the Utah coaching staff. They've figured out who they are and the type of kids that they need to recruit, and they're able to go after the the right type of kids and the more highly rated kids that still fit their program and they've done a great job of of being true to who they are not trying to be something that they're not and kids have responded well and you know we've talked about it a lot but the continuity in the program uh, with Kyle Whittingham uh, having been there for so long and you know his contract extension you know who cares how long he ends up coaching the fact that he has a contract through what 2027, whatever it is, like it's something absurd. Like that, that speaks to recruits that, you know, Mark Harland, uh, Utah, uh, they believe in Whittingham and they trust him and he's going to be here. You talk about Andy Ludwig, he's in year two. Um, he's going to be here for another year, another two years, however long he's going to be here. Uh, he's going to be here for a while. Uh, uh, talk about Morgan Scally, who has been here for a while. The continuity on the staff is a big draw to to recruits in general. Then you add in the fact that they've had success over the last two, three years, four years even. Um, that's been a, a big draw. And then you add on on top of that their NFL draft success. You you put six guys in the draft last year. Many of them are on NFL rosters. Players are recognizing that Utah develops talent into NFL players and now highly rated more talented kids are recognizing that. Uh, and they, you know, they're, they're more willing to come to Utah because the proof is in the pudding. So all of these things kind of play a role in Utah's success on the recruiting trail, the individual success stories, you know, a Jalen Johnson um, helps Utah land a, a Clark Phillips type. Now you, you see, Francis Bernard, Chase Hansen, Cody Barton, Devin Lloyd play a role in Ethan Calvert's decision to come to Utah. So everything all kind of plays a factor, plays a role in Utah's class this year. It's It's been a lot of fun to cover. Um, it's been an, a very unusual year because we haven't had official visits. We haven't had evaluation periods. So it's it's been kind of weird without that element. But, again, it just speaks to Utah figuring out who they are as a brand, as a program, and kids recognizing who they are and, and what that means to them. So um, it's a great day. It's a great opportunity for a lot of these kids that are going to be signing with Utah and, and all the kids, you know, signing uh, to their respective schools. It's a great opportunity for them. Uh, they've They've – Every kid has worked hard for these opportunities, and it's it's always fun to see that and to see them recognized. You know, we we give them a lot of crap because they're recruits, because they're teenagers and, and getting catered and pampered. But you know, this is a, a result for a lot of these kids of of a lot of hard work, and uh, it's it's a 
a life-changing opportunity for many of them. And uh, it that should always be recognized with these guys, with these kids. Yeah, National uh, Signing Day is a, a special, special opportunity for not only these kids, Steve, but their parents as, and, and relatives. Yeah. Um, and so congratulations to all of them. I mean, look, I, 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 I've always kind of criticized the star ranking Um I think yeah. so, sometimes it, it it can be misguiding, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But but for, I will admit, for the most part, you know, pretty accurate. Um, I mean, so Utah's right now got three four stars that are, that are expected to sign tomorrow. Two of those are linebackers with Ethan Calvert. Ethan Calvert, by the way, top one hundred prospect in the entire country. You know, at any position. I mean, that is yeah, that is insanity. He's a freak. Out yeah, of he's Oaks, a Christian. Is he the sort of player? Is he the sort of player that could that could potentially slot in as a true freshman next year? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly why they recruited him. Is they expect him to come in and contribute, play, potentially earn a starting job. Obviously, a lot plays into that. He won't be here early. He won't enroll early, but he'll be here in the summer. So you know he's a little bit behind the eight ball in that regard. But he's such a talent, and linebacker is a position where, um, you know, if you have a lot of natural ability, it can go a long way. And that's what that's what Calvert has, man. He's got a lot of natural talent, athleticism, um, and, and you know, he's got that type of talent to be that type of player early on. I mean, he stands at six three two thirty, so he's he's got the size already. To be fair, the other the other four star yeah. linebacker I'm talking about, Mason Tafaga, out of St. Louis, Honolulu. Uh, he's six one two ten, so he's going to need to put on a few pounds. Uh, it might take him a year before he starts hitting his stride. Year or two, you never know. It depends on how how his body um, <clears throat> goes about doing that. But uh, we'll talk more, Steve. We'll talk more about these guys. Um, yeah, probably next week. You know, once the dust has settled and and your time can, yeah, and it that'll probably be, um, I guess, like the final the final podcast of, of 2020 for us, because I hate to break it to you guys. The second that Washington state game's done, Steve and I are uh, putting on our Santa hats and, and you know, it's eggnog drinking. We're chilling season, on the King man. size bed. Yeah. It's eggnog <laughs> drinking season. You get, we got to have some fun too. So, um, <laughs> but we'll dive into the, 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 the recruits. Are there any guys out there? Like, are there any guys quickly out there that could potentially flip? to Utah later? Is that not something that you're really expecting? You know, I expect at least, you know, this early signing period, depending on when you listen to this, like I don't expect a lot of action, um, but what's going to be interesting is seeing, seeing everything just kind of fall into place, right. And seeing what chips land and what don't. And so you got to keep in mind that this is the early signing period. The, the typical national signing day is still in February. And so uh, obviously with the, the two transfers at, at running back, Utah may elect to address that position. They may elect to do that through the transfer portal. They may elect to, to do that with the high school recruit. I don't know, TBD. But uh, yeah, they're, for the most part with this early signing period, it's going to be pretty un- uneventful, I would yeah. say. But from from the early signing period to February, man, things you never know. Things might heat up in, in certain situations uh, for certain players, certain recruits. But uh, it uh, it should be fun. 
Nice. Well, hey, you got to get uh, a bloody early night's rest, all right, on that king size mattress. You got to <laughs> yeah. get to see because it starts uh, before the sun early. comes up. Yeah, no, it's yeah. six o'clock. We're ready to go. Well, I'm not. You are. Um, and other psychopaths around the country are. But nonetheless, we wish you all the best, Steve. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Nate Wade Subaru is, of course, the sponsor of this podcast. Uh, we love them. Uh, there's no other way to say it. 1207 South Main Street, that's their location. If you're not comfortable going down there, don't worry. They have a website, and their website's more than functional, by the way. I mean, they have a ton of tools you can use. Uh, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you can even test drive cars on their website. So um, just check it out. Before you head on down, check out their website. See what deals they've got. See what deals they've got coming up. They're probably trying to get rid of some inventory with 2021 just around the corner. So now's a great time, and uh, and you can thank us later. Um, Steve, my man, Yo. best of luck tomorrow. Uh, Thank you. We'll be back next week with, again, probably yep. the final episode. It'll be a, a one one take wonder, you know, one episode left after this one, and, and that's sad, but at the same time, we're excited for 2021 because 2020 has been dog dust, but uh, we love you, and and uh, thanks for tuning in, Steve, and, and, and we'll see you soon. Seriously, best of luck tomorrow. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a crazy day. Check it out, Utsone.com. We're gonna have everything. We're gonna have you covered. We're gonna have you covered. So Goodness, I a lot apologize. Of, a lot of content coming, coming, filling the uh, filling the Twitterverse, filling Facebook, filling everything. Filling, you know, we're gonna have content just bumping all day. So it's gonna be crazy. Utsone, Utsone.com. All right, that's the place. KSLSports.com is another another little spot for you guys to yes. check out. Uh, but in, in 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 regards to recruiting, Utsone.com. Remains undefeated. We'll be back next week. Go you. See you later. I hate saying that. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.